This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from my fabulous friends. Hey, everybody. It's Adrian. Adrian Gibbs, if you're nasty. And if you're listening to this, you know what it is. You got yourself another episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast. Podcast, cast, cast. And not only that, another episode, this is the episode. This is it. And I am joined with a very dear friend of mine, the one and only, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, Danny Prada. Hey, buddy. What's up, man? What's up? We were in the same state, and then we we weren't able to get together. Mostly my fault, I'm sure. I'm a terrible planner. And now, you know, we're states apart. Greetings from North Carolina. Yeah. You just upped and left out of nowhere, but I'm happy for you, dude. I know. I didn't even say goodbye to you. My Irish goodbye to it. Man, I'm a bad friend. Terrible friend. No, it's fine. I feel like we caught up that last time we were together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too needy with my friends, you know? (laughs) That's a sign of like a mature (laughs) person, right? Like, I feel like when we were younger, you know, if a person, you know, didn't say goodbye the right way or something, you know, you got like kind of offended, you kind of got kind of hurt. As you get older, you're like, listen, you can tell. You're like, you know what? We're cool. Exactly, dude. Right? Thanks for doing this. Yeah, man. Of course, bro. I'm I'm just so grateful that you would even uh, ask me you know, to hop on this and, and chat with you, dude, because I think Dirty Ron Church Kids is legendary, forever legendary. That means a lot to hear you say. There's there's a couple of reasons why it felt perfect for you to be on this show. One, you were the very first episode, the first official episode of the show. Which is crazy. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. And you didn't even really know me that well. Like, like we, we kind of knew you and you kind of knew who I was, but we didn't we, like, you know, we weren't like close like that. And so you really kind of were like, sure, I'll talk. <laughs> I'll talk to these people. I don't but know you know guys. what, dude? You were like somebody locally that I could physically see and touch who was deconstructing. And at that time, I was like thinking I was by myself and all, my only friends were on the internet. Yeah. Listen, I felt the exact same way. I felt the exact same way. I remember adding you on Facebook and I had added you on Facebook because we, you know, we were all worship leaders and all worship leaders knew each other. And then you became a pastor and you were hopping around, you were at different churches, then you started your own church. And when you first started Heartway, it was kind of a traditional church plant in the truest sense mm-hmm, of the word, mm-hmm. right? You know, had the Jesus yeah. fish on it, you know, like it was just classic. <laughs> yeah. And then you just started posting all this stuff and it was so perfectly timed with where I was at. You were actually ahead of, you were way ahead of me, actually. You, you were saying stuff and I was like, what the fuck is Prada on? What is he on? <laughs> That's insane to <laughs> What's me. What's he bro? on? And, and, but then like I caught up to, to where you were at, my thinking caught up to that. And I don't know if you remember, I like slid into your DMs and I was like, hey man, you don't really know me that well, but like, what, what is this? So you were just the perfect first person to speak to. And I think now 
what fast forward for me, it was probably gosh, 2016, 2017. And the show started in 2019. Right. So now a year of our Lord, 2023. So fast forward. The year so, of our Lord. <laughs> so it just, it just felt very fitting to have you be on this last episode. And honestly, man, I just didn't want to, to end it by myself. Oh, I didn't want to be alone. Oh. You know, didn't want this to be, uh, be just me all riding solo. You're loved, bro. No, thanks. Thank you. Since we last spoke, I feel like you were on the very first episode. We had you back on to talk about heaven and hell. And then since then, what's been going on with you? Can you like update me and, and all the folks at home? That It's you, me. By the way, I was telling this earlier before we jump in. I was saying this to you earlier when you spoke on the phone the other day. In my mind, I feel like you're at a party and you've had this great party and there's a ton of people there. And then at the end of the party, there's only like a few people left. There's like a couple people hanging out in the kitchen. And then it's just like you and a friend or two like in the backyard, probably like smoking and like having a beer and, and everything else is just really chill. And me, my introverted ass, like those are like my favorite types of hangs as I enjoy the party. But then like, I really enjoy the after party. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's, it's you, me. And the three people who are still listening to the show, <laughs> this is the after party, man. Well, you know what, dude? The, the, the first DRCK party was probably just that's true. You know, Nobody, a couple man. of us, exactly. Yeah. Like we didn't, we had no, you had no idea where this would go, and and neither did I. No know? idea. So, so we're back. We're back, just as we started, full circle. I love it. So sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So what have you been up to, man? What's been going on? Wow. Well, I mean. Life in general, or do you want to get inside of my... I want to talk about whatever you feel like talking about. Yeah. Right? I'm sure, you know, I have no agenda. There is no script on this. I have nowhere to go and nowhere to be. Perfect. So we're all friends at this party. Well, a lot has happened since the last time we had one of these kind of conversations on the pod. That's for sure. Um, on all levels, personal, spiritual, emotional. On a personal level, I was married now I'm divorced and going through that experience as, you know, a pastor of a spiritual community, that's a thing, you know, that's an experience. Yeah. That's a major, a major life shift. Thankfully, I see where I was and where I am and where I'm going and I'm grateful Mm. for everything, for all of it, you know? So that's on one front. On another front, when it comes to my spiritual journey, a big shift has come for me in the sense that I really moved from more of an intellectual kind of a framework and paradigm and way of moving in the world to a much more heart-centered and embodied form of being in the world. And that's made all the difference in what I care about, what I talk about, what I teach about, and who I am as an individual. Man, okay. I want to touch on both those things. First of all, can you talk a little bit about what it was like going through this big like relationship slash identity shift? It's a very significant part of yourself as a part of a spiritual community. Like, Obviously, at this point, right? it's not like you were a Southern Baptist pastor because yeah. that would be its own whole other kind of bag of, of experience, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're coming from a very progressive space, right? Like 
divorces happen and it's no longer this kind of like devastating sin against God. So I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that wasn't, that facet was not an issue and that was necessarily on the table. Oh, no, no way at all. Not at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Not right, even right, the slightest right. bit. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, thank yeah, goodness. yeah. Thank goodness that I could be human, you know, and I can just like be yeah. and go through things. Was it still tricky? Because whether you, I feel like whether you like it or not, like when you're like a spiritual leader or a leader of any kind, going through a split like that has sort of ramifications on how like people respond and what's expected of you. Like, did that, did you have to, like, what did you have to deal with on that front leading Heartway? I think really what it came down to was just the fact that relationally everyone is connected. So when something like divorce happens in a spiritual community like ours, it is not very large and we're all involved in one another's lives, that gets tricky, Yeah, you know? And so I remember the day that I shared that we were getting a divorce, there was a volunteer who, when I shared that with like the team before the service, he was like, okay, you just gave us the pastor version. Now, what does Danny really feel about the situation? Oh, wow. Immediately, I said to the guy, I said, listen, I am not split in two. Mm. What you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. There is Mm -hmm. no pastor version of this and Danny's real version of this. (laughs) Which is probably not common for people who come from church spaces. No, but can I tell you something, dude? That is what saved me. And that is what allowed me to continue to be in my role and to continue to maintain the trust of the people that I lead is Mm. because I'm just being myself and I'm being honest and I'm being transparent and I'm being authentic through the whole thing, which means, Hey, here's the pretty side. Here's the ugly side. And here's me. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've gone about it. You know, but of course it's hard, you know, it's, it's so many emotions involved and, you know, just on a personal level, There's a little, sometimes, you know, I have to be honest, it was a little feeling of embarrassment that I felt, you know, you care about the things that other people think and through the process, you know, it was a constant reminder to myself and to others that, you know, the ending of a marriage doesn't mean failure. Mm. This was a failure. That's not how I interpreted that in my life. It was cool, man. Like very in the early stages of, of that time about two years ago, I had people almost immediately, clergy, that were reaching out. I'm going through a divorce. Oh, our pastor's going through a divorce. How did you walk your, how are you walking your community through this? And later on, how did you do that? And so it's just been so great. And I love that it's been able to humanize me even more. And also I, I teach a lot of things that can be like hard pills to swallow. I guess that's just kind of my philosophical framework in a way I'm, I'm, I'm very much about accepting reality, you know, as a, as a way to peace, you know, for, for me to go through a hardship and maintain a sense of consistency, I think was able to give some more validity to my words. And I'm grateful for that because I do feel like now with the people who are on this journey with me, the words are a little weightier. Right. 
it's not like, oh, that's easy for Danny to say. He hasn't yeah. experienced any struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have to, and I know this is a long time ago, so I'm sure some of this feels distant and yet still very fresh, but did you feel like you had to help mend people who were hurting as you were mending yourself who was hurting? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that is part of the insanity, and I'm so glad that you vocalized that for me. Because I don't Isn't talk that crazy? about that. But yes. And honestly, there sometimes there were other people who were more emotionally charged about the situation than I was, which is understandable, you know? Um, but yeah, to be in that position, isn't that crazy? <laughs> you know? So, cause it's like, it's dude, I have friends that I know people in my life that they get divorced. Nobody cares. Everyone moves forward. Right. <laughs> you know, like no, that's it, dude. Like, yeah. And so at a certain level of influence for, for anybody, you know, you go through things and pers- really personal things are very public things too. And, and that those lines are blurred. And so that's tough when there's a lot of opinions and a lot of eyes. And you're like consoling other people. Like, it's okay. It's, it's going to be okay. Like, it's fine. And you and yourself, you're like, God, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, this really sucks. Uh, that's yeah. 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 Well, I, I feel like I, I learned a lot about you seeing it happen from afar because you never once stopped being yourself. I think if you had suddenly turned into like this very kind of malicious kind of, you know, like kind of salty, if there was like smearing happening, then it would almost be like, what's going on? Whatever happened to Danny Prada, right? Right. Um, And I think that speaks to your integrity. I think it speaks to you were never pretending to be someone you weren't you were never it wasn't just like a trendy thing for you to talk about accepting and inclusion and expanding your process and and your thinking like that wasn't just uh uh, a trend that you were a wave of of something you were riding but it's something that you have embodied when you talk about your spirituality now which is moving away from maybe a kind of a cerebral practice and to, to more of like a heart experience. What does that mean? I went to seminary school, dude. You know, I graduated with my doctorate in 2021 from Fuller. I love theology. I'm a philosophy nerd. I love psychology. I have an interest in science, though I'm not the most knowledgeable in that area. But I'm a nerdy guy. I have, you know, a bunch of books that I've love to study and read and explore. And for a while, when my faith started to evolve, I was trying to connect with people at that level and kind of educate folks and share information with them that maybe they weren't exposed to that I was able to be exposed to. And that expanded me in a lot of ways. So my mentality for so long was like, if I get these people this information, then, hey, they'll expand too. That was so utterly frustrating for me on the ground, leading a spiritual community. Because in a lot of ways, some people were just not ready for some information. And I'm the kind of guy that I want to bring everyone along if I can. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I never wanted it to be, this is the right way and the more progressive evolved way. And if you don't believe like this, you can't be here. Right. I didn't want that either, which is easy to do. And I and I have thought about often what would it look like if I did do that, you know? <laughs> so that's one way to do it. 
And some people just are not ready for that. And also, I realized that a lot of people were actually getting really, really like confused. And especially folks that come from evangelical backgrounds or just regular church people who are Christian, but, you know, they just know the basics, but they don't really think about it to a deeper extent. You know, for these folks, they're like, wait, this is all I've known my whole life. And so in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I know you're going to like your whole identity is going to go into shambles and, and you're going <laughs> to feel like life is meaningless. That's what yeah. I went through. And, and, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm literally, I was, I was taking people on that same journey. I remember telling myself for a while, like, okay, I know that yes, I went through like existential crisis. I felt like life was meaningless. Everything exploded. The whole thing exploded. And that was painful and difficult for me. But Wow. On the other side of that, look at where I've come. So I I always was telling myself like, okay, even though I'm like maybe putting the sledgehammer onto everybody's belief system and they're going to go through this crisis, ultimately it's for the better. But dude, like it just, it was very hard for me to do that and to see people go through that. And then I started getting bored having these conversations about interpreting the Bible. I don't care. You know, I got to that point too, where I'm just wow. like, look, I don't want to prove to you why this verse doesn't mean that right. anymore. I don't want to talk about heaven and hell anymore. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to talk about any of this. This is not interesting to me. So it was a mix of a lot of those things that made me real. And then also just me coming to this arrival in my own journey of the fact that for myself, I cannot arrive at an objective conclusion concerning ultimate reality, you know? So when I came to the end of my intellect in that sense and stopped needing to have fully formed answers, stopped needing to have really even a framework by which I interpret and understand ultimate reality, letting go of that allowed me now to focus on how to be happy, how to be at peace, how to be self-aware, how to relate better to myself and other people. And that was the stuff that started to spark such a fascination in me. Like, this is what I care about. And this is what I want to help people find. And I have a lot more to say, but we'll get to that. And I'm gonna let you speak now. But for all of these reasons, I kind of shifted. I feel like there's so many good things you said. When you first approach a faith change from this sort of cognitive ascent standpoint, where you're like, I've walked this path, and these are all of the, just as you said, all of the, the doctrines and the historical evidence and all, all the theories, and there's like this burden of proof that you are then kind of forced to have to always convey and it can be so exhausting. You yes. you are working twice as hard as yes. everyone else that you speak to. Really, at least twice as hard. <laughs> because you are already there. So you're just like carrying their cognitive weight on your shoulders. Yes, dude. And all they and, and then a person who doesn't want to be there can just completely just slacken and then yes. you are carrying all of it. And it is completely depleting. So it's very interesting. And also I mean, hell hath frozen over when Danny Prada, like the book nerd, is like, I was, I'm just bored. I'm, t- I'm talking about book 
topics. And that's very interesting to me. But it also feels, as you were sharing, your journey of like coming to this place, it is truly an arc and it feels just perfectly timed with an episode like this, Mm. where you're like, you started in one place and like your lived experience has informed your approach to the world. And now you're at a different place. And the weapons you had to wield at any given time, you no longer feel the need to. And it's like, this is actually very heavy. (laughs) Oh, yes, dude. You articulated that so well, bro. We need to talk more. You know, a broken clock is right (laughs) at least twice a day. We do need to talk more. Yeah, dude, because I need more of these moments of just like, oh, yeah, you get me. Oh, God. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, man. No, I, I, I do get it. I do get it. You posted something on, on the Heartway page, and I thought it was perfectly timed. And I don't know if you were literally thinking this way prior to us chatting or if in some way I incepted this uh, sliver of an idea. But you basically said, like, in order for something new to begin, something has to die. And that's okay. Can you talk about that? Because I, I feel like that would be a cool thing to chase. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been reflecting a lot on just this idea of the circle of life. Because the circle is actually like a pretty meaningful symbol in a lot of different cultures and religious traditions and spiritual paths. And for a lot of reason, like the circle signifies like infinity, you know, and it has no beginning and has no end. And a lot of times in our day-to-day interactions, right, we'll say things like everything comes full circle. We experience full circle moments. And so I've been thinking a lot about that just because I'm around death so much. And uh, about a year ago... Hold on, you got to pause. You got to pause. People don't know what you're talking about. Oh. They, my, are you... Do you work at a morgue? Like, <laughs> please... please. Please elaborate. They're like, wait, didn't you, aren't you a pastor at a church? Right. So I'm also a hospital chaplain. And so I offer um, spiritual and emotional support, which that'll be another conversation for another time. But the chaplaincy has been for me, I just have to insert this, like this beautiful coalescing of my spiritual journey, my intellectual journey, my emotional journey in one place, you know, my personal journey. And it's been just this wonderful way for me to express my spirituality and get paid for it, which is so dope. That is dope. Anyhow, as a chaplain in a hospital, I'm around death a lot. I also work in a children's hospital. So, dude, what I've seen in the last year, never thought I would see in my life, you know. So, I'm thinking a lot about death and my own mortality as I have these experiences. So, the circle of life. Things begin and then they come to an end. When we're born into this world, our parents care for us. We're totally dependent on them. Later on in life, I see kids caring for their parents and their parents literally being like kids again. And so that idea of of things come in full circle, it's just the way things are. It's just the way of things. That's a pattern we see in nature. And it's a pattern that we see in, in history. It's a pattern that we see in our own lives if we take a close look. And if we want to get like Christianity about it, that's, that's the death resurrection thing. You know, that's the universal truth. 
that that metaphor points to. I live my life in the knowing and understanding that every ending brings a new beginning and every new beginning has to come to an end. Mm. That is the way of things. For me, that allows me to live a little less attached, a little less clingy, a lot more appreciative and grateful for all of the moments. They come and they go and they form me and leave their mark on me. Yeah. I had a, a conversation on, on the episode just before this one. I was talking to one of the co-hosts and basically we were talking about how when you go through a faith change, one of the things that it causes you to do is be incredibly cognizant that this life is very short. And so when you talked about death and, and resurrection and death and renewal, talking about mortality and being aware of your mortality, I feel like it makes every single thing you do both not all that important, mm-hmm. also eternally significant. Yeah, dude. Like what I'm doing in my, you know, what's going on in my on my work email is not all that important. And what I'm doing with my kids that afternoon is eternally significant. I feel like it's an interesting thing to walk. Yeah, dude. But there's a reason why, you know, the, the, the Stoics who I like to read, they would use this phrase, memento mori. Remember your mortality. You know, if, if you want to live wisely in this world, it will do you good to reflect on your finitude. You take yourself less seriously that way and more seriously. As you yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's fucking nuts. And I th- I think like when you talked about how like you no longer are interested in debating people out of their ways of thinking, one might argue, well, Danny, that's your job. Your job is a a pastor is to kind of stand there and proclaim the whatever, right? But you understanding that like life is so precious. Why in the world would I pour my energy and waste precious time on something that is depleting and something that Mm. is not actually helpful or not helping me and not helping this other person? Instead, what is the the thing I want to chase, which is embodied living and Mm. embracing life as it comes? Like Mm. that is where you go, hey, like I am actively choosing this because I know how rapid this thing is all going to wrap up. Yes. There used to be folks who thought of the pastoral role and they would speak of, of pastor as physician of the soul. And I've, I've kind of reclaimed that metaphor for myself. Interesting. I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. And when it comes to being a physician of the soul, All I'm doing is telling you, heal yourself. Mm. Heal yourself. Here are some tools that can be helpful. Mm. Mm. That's really good. I think when I kind of look at where DRCK has gone and as it kind of lands, there is that feeling of like ending and new beginning. The difference is, I don't know what is beginning, I just know what feels right to end. It's weird when you think about ending something and you don't have necessarily a 
hard reason to do it mm. other than intuition. Mm. I think, and I think we talked about this for me, there's really nothing tangible. Like I didn't have any real forced need to end this show. I think it's just been just this overwhelming feeling of like, it's good. Mm. You know, like it's, it's good. It, it's like a, I don't know when, when you're at a, just to go back to the party reference, like when, when you are and you're hanging out with your friends and everyone's been talking and you've been hanging out, there's kind of this moment where everyone's like, all right, well, it's been good, you know, and you just have this intuition and everyone tends to kind of feel it, you know, when, when the conversation is kind of ran its course mm. and this whole show has been a journey of me, as you kind of said, returning to my gut instincts and returning to what feels good and returning to what seems right and trusting that. And so it just feels like it wouldn't make sense for me to quiet that intuition now, Mm. (laughs) you know, know, four years in or whatever. What's that process been like for you? I mean, I know you're in the middle of it, but just internally, emotionally, I'm sure there has to be like a grieving aspect to this. To the end of DRCK? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely grieving. I, it's been, it's, it's weird because I, and I've been, I've told people this, people know this too. I had been developing, and, and this wasn't before I became the only host on the show. This was like happening where my relationship with social media in general was starting to become unhealthy. And I was developing a lot of anxiety, just so much like my mental health was just really not doing all that great. I think existing in kind of public spaces was kind of taking its toll on me emotionally. And then there was also that feeling of like creative, uh, feeling a little boxed in creatively. I was telling this to somebody, I'm an Enneagram four. And so I, I don't like having a thing where everyone just only knows you as one thing. Like, mm. it's like, I don't know, it's totally different, but it's like, if you were cast as a character in a TV show for X number of years, and like, you're always forever known as that right. thing. And so I was just getting tired of people like messaging me, like, look at this bullshit that this church is doing, or, Hey, like, <laughs> look at this, like ridiculous pastor thing. Like I was just starting to kind of get exhausted. It's just also feelings of, of exhaustion. And then there's a feeling of like, creative fatigue you know so for all of those things it didn't feel like any drck was almost like a a relief Mm. like okay i can like kind of put the armor down a little bit i can like kind of just sit back and relax but there is this bittersweetness Mm. because i know just so many good things have happened because of the show Mm. just so many good relationships that I've been able to build, you know, present company included. Like I've just had so many great conversations over the past few years. Like it's a journey of, of me growing as a person and you hear it. Yeah. For the people who are like, I've listened to all of it. I've kind of a one since day one I've, I've heard it. It's, it's been a true journey and it's almost like, here's how I'll put it. I saw this reel and it was basically saying like the person you were, can only take you to a certain point. Mm. And then you have to say goodbye to that person for you to continue to go further. For me, the grieving process is going, okay, the Adrian, like like dirty rotten Adrian got me to this point and he did great. Mm. 
and in order for me to continue my growth and developing as a person. I don't need that one, that train anymore. Mm. When you come out of evangelical spaces, I think I had to, in an attempt to kind of reclaim my sense of agency and to fully grieve and rage and mourn and ridicule, there was an armor that mm. you, there's a version of it. You have to just become a fighter. You have to. And now I feel this feeling of like, okay, he can rest now. Yeah. You know? I can take it from here. Like this Adrian mm. can take it from here. Mm. And I think that is a, a feeling of, there's a feeling of grief being like, you, just as you said, there is a version of yourself that has to die mm -hmm. because there's another life that's kind of awaiting, you know? Yeah. And you have no idea what that is, do you? <laughs> no idea. Uh, yeah, I, no, I have no idea. Maybe you have some clues. At least you have some clues, I hope. You know, I, I've, I've thought about I put so much creative energy into this show. My knee-jerk reaction is like, Gibbs, you're not going to do shit. You're not going to do anything <laughs> creative. You're going to just be just a boring normie. Don't even, don't be make anything. Normie. Just, just, just kind of vanish. That's great. It sounds, it sounds great. That, that is so appealing to me. I know myself though. And I think that given enough time, I will probably find another way to express where I'm at. I started the podcast because before the podcast, I was a musician. I say was because I haven't made music in years mm. uh, and I haven't played my guitar in ages uh, or sang in ages, in fact. So I was a musician and I felt a limitation to my expression in song. I was like, there's only so much you can say in a four minute song. So I was like, let me do this open, long form, fucking three hour podcast. And then you can say everything you need to say. The difference is that now that that podcast became a deconstruction podcast and so in a different way now there is that feeling of like is there another way i want to create another medium that transcends this current the current limitations of a deconstruction podcast i don't know if that's going back to music i don't know if that's another sort of creative thing i, I don't know but i do know is that i think that feeling of uh maybe creative anxiety or like tentative being a little cautious of being in public spaces that isn't going to go away you know so I, I don't have this surefire it's not like oh man i'm done with the dirty rotten church has podcast i'm starting a new podcast about this right, new right, thing right. because then it's just the exact it's the, you're you're inserting yourself into a similar sort of space yeah um so i don't have any plans for that yeah wow is there like any sort of conversation right now that's like giving you life like what do you enjoy talking about now that you live in North Carolina and you're a normie. You know, now that I'm a normie, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's actually been something very relaxing about not having anything to talk about. That sounds so weird to say, but to not have this ongoing, uh, here's how I'll put it. I was in church my whole life and my entire identity was based around church and Jesus and God, right? And then I deconstructed in 2016, and then I started the podcast, or really 2017, and I started the podcast in 2019. And from then until now, it's been the same sort of thing where everything I would see and think and talk about would tend to pass through this filter of the evangelical conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And now I have gone months without even thinking about anything 
cosmic, divine, spiritual, <laughs> religious. Yes. And I feel like that in, in my context is thinking about nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because considering where I came from, where that's all I was ever thinking about, even when I was writing music, any song had to pass through a faith context. You know, even when I was deconstructing all that stuff, it all had to pass through this framework. And so now I will just quietly make coffee. I will quietly go to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I will quietly hang out with my kids. I will quiet. And then you just go through this entire day and you're like, I actually haven't had to think about anything. Mm. <laughs> and I'm sure someone's listening to this and they're like, wow, good job, Gibbs. You just became a husk of a person. You are now Ooh. everything interesting about you. You have forfeit. <laughs> Congratulations. You are a you Dude. are an automaton. It's totally possible. Dude, I love it. You sound like some of the the Zen books that I read. <laughs> well, that is me, Danny. I am absolutely a Zen. But, but I you know it, what? Dude. I love that, it. That, it to your point though, to your point though, if your mind isn't coming up with like topics and themes, then it almost is like it's just content exactly where it is. And that's how I feel. That's where the juice is. I feel content exactly where I am. And I don't need to talk about it. That sounds so weird. I don't need to talk about anything. And maybe I will suddenly come up with a passion for something else. And I'm like, I really need to talk about that. But even the, the things that I'm into, like, I'm, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm still into watches. I'm into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm into coffee. Like, I'm into these things. But none of them are integral to who I am enough that I need to build a platform mm -hmm. out of wood and hammer and nails in order to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? I get it. I get it. I get it. When people talk to you and they know who you are, you know, Danny brought up from Harway, how often does the conversation remain in spiritual land? Does it default there or does it tend to go there? And are you cool with it? What do you mean like spiritual land? Like, okay, they go, oh, you're... Hey, I know you, and let's say, let's say someone knows you from social media, and then they connect with you and they hang out. Is the first thing that anyone ever talks about their kind of faith experience, or does it jump right into that? No, not really. You know, even though I will say that my days are filled with those kind of conversations that I love, but thankfully, it's never something that like. It's like force, like people jump to that, which I would feel concerned if they did. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've just now gotten to that place where, like, I met with some friends who knew me from the show and we met up here in North Carolina. And the conversation of evangelical trauma didn't even come up. I was like, I've finally been able to have an interaction with someone who. We share a background, but we don't, it doesn't turn into like a trauma bond. And again, like when you are fresh out of it, you actually need that. Yeah. Cause you need to feel seen and you need solidarity and you just need to know I'm not fucking, it happened to us. Right. I mm -hmm. talked to you and I was like, oh my God, thank God. Yeah. Thank God there's somebody who knows what I'm, what I'm talking about. So there is absolutely a place for that. And I don't ever want to come across as ungrateful and I don't want to come across and, and maybe people think I do, but I don't mean to come across as ungrateful for that. But I think as the person who has had like a lot of those conversations kind of over and over and over again, it's been really refreshing to meet a person who 
they just kind of want to interact with you as a person and they don't want to talk about the pain of the past. Yeah. And see, like for me in my world, I'm just one human with another human. And at some point in time, because I'm interested and curious and friendly, we'll probably start talking about how you're doing and how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like just being there for people. And it doesn't have to be like spiritual at all, like any more than that. Cause that's like the whole thing for me, you know, just connecting with people at a soul to soul level and just sharing yourself with, with someone. You hear that folks? Daniel product called me soulless. He said, I'm so <laughs> Daniel's like, you know, for me, I enjoy interacting with people because I care about people. So I don't know about you. Oh, Gibbs, dude. fucking You're heartless. Ridiculous. You're ridiculous. No, but I think that speaks to, I think you've always been that way. And I think you have such a great, um, you have like a capacity for engaging with people at that level. Like you are truly a pastor. Like, like th there's something I know, genetically. I, it, I know, I know. It's like, <laughs> no, I love it though. But that, that's been a thing too. It's like kind of leaning back into that sort of on my terms. Like taking it in stride, but kind of with some boundaries in place, maybe. I've just been trying so hard to run away from the label. Mm. And it's like haunted me that I'm at a point where I'm like, fine, I'll just let you catch me instead of just run away. And I'm just going to make sure that I really am clear about what I mean when I, when I use this. But in the sense that you mean, I feel that way too. Like, yes, I am a pastor in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say has been the most rewarding facet of the Heartway community? I mean, it's had so many evolutions over the years. It's changed just almost as many times as you have changed. What has just been the most rewarding? Hmm. What comes to my mind is the people that I know who have stuck around for a while, who have shifted so much internally and matured so much in their life and have been able to heal through so much. And they point to the community as like an integral part of that. For me, that's just like, wow. Wow. You know, and, and one of the things that I have actually celebrated has been seeing the more evangelically inclined folks that are part of our community, because there, there are some, as much as we attract people that are spiritual but not religious, and people that are not even Christian, we do have some of those folks that, hey, this is a church, let me try it out. And they think that they're coming to the same thing that they're used to always. Some of those folks that for some odd reason still stick around, when I see them holding their beliefs with an open hand and not being dogmatic or not being a jerk about their beliefs. And, and they may not even have changed their beliefs in any way, but something about them internally shifted so that the way that they express themselves mm. and interact with others is actually bearable. Now I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're making the world a better place, dude. Really? Yeah. yeah. And like also too, Politically, with those conversations, and I know that this is touchy, 
But I came to the realization that the world is not going to change by everybody agreeing with me Mm. as much as I would love for people to agree with me. Yeah. So I can go about trying to make an impact on the collective through that intellectual route of getting everybody to see it a certain way. And those conversations are necessary, of course. But I want to take like a straight shot to the heart and talk to people at that level so that we can have some sort of unity in diversity and coexist without killing each other. Yeah. (laughs) And seeing people also still be ingrained in their particular worldview, but be more charitable and understanding and empathetic towards those that see it another way, even if it may seem really backwards and there's a lot of things that are even harmful that those folks may not even be fully aware of, to still be able to humanize those individuals and for that humanization to happen both ways, like I, I see this, I see it happening. Like one dude I'm thinking of whose Facebook posts during COVID time were all about like conspiracies. Oh boy. All right. Seeing that person go through a shift and a change where they may still see things in a way that are quite odd to me from my vantage point. And He may not be where I'm at with where I see a lot of things and my opinion on stuff. But the fact that someone is like him is willing to have the conversation. Oh, you're actually willing to engage in conversation. Your mind has opened a little bit. Wow. So I like actually see and hear the stories of that happening. And it makes me happy. It's like, it is the most rewarding thing, dude. I feel like the person I am today is not the person who I was last year. And the person I was last year is certainly not the person I was in 2017. The person I was in 2017 was not the person I was in 2015, right? There is something about me that is still worthy of inherent dignity and and respect, Mm. I like to think. Mm. And I am a person on a journey that is changing. And so I absolutely can see that like, if you can at least get to this place where you're interacting with people, knowing that like where you stand right now isn't necessarily where you will always stand. That's right. You will not all, you may not always be, and maybe you are, I don't know. My, my parents haven't changed much, but my, maybe they have too. Right. So, but like, I see that feeling of like, okay, you know, this person, I don't know, you know, they're still church going folk, but the ability to have a conversation, the ability to like see them as a human being on a journey. And at the same time, like knowing when you are also starting to be depleted by even having the conversation. Like, yes. I, I think there's, a, there's also like a self-preservation aspect of it too. Boundaries are a thing. I just happen to be throwing myself in this, yeah. you know, by, ch- by choice, but by all means, by all means, save yourselves, <laughs> you yeah, know, right. save yourselves. I, I, I just, I guess part of what I'm here to do right now, but you know, yeah. I've also seen that shift too. And this is like, for me, the way I interpret it is when people do stay at the intellectual cognitive level and they don't sink into that experiential stuff that we're talking about. 
like the pendulum swings both ways too. I have seen not just a conservative move towards a more progressive space. I have seen a progressive go back to a conservative st- space. I've seen that happen. And I can actually think of, of certain individuals that I know personally who have done that multiple times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, we are not the same people. We shift and we change. And it's sometimes it's so funny for me to see the way. And I did this. I did this. But you leave one group, you join another, you demonize the last one. And then you join another and you demonize that last one. You know, yeah. and it just for me, I got tired of it. But we do understand as we've as we've stated already, we got to go through our process. For some folks, there may not need to be a beyond, hey, I'm pissed at that. And I was really hurt by that. And this is that, you know, so you may not need or want to go beyond that. And then there's people like me and you who are just like, let's have new conversations about new things. Mm. What are some of the new conversations? What are the topics that you get revved up talking about? I like talking about finding peace. I like talking about practicing presence. I like talking about healing from our traumas. I like talking about joy in the simple things. I like talking about nothing sometimes like you. Big fan of nothing. Just the random stuff that doesn't matter in the large scheme of things, but infinitely matters too. Yeah. I am an explorer of human consciousness. I am fully invested in this whole being a human thing. I'm an explorer of human nature. And so I just feel like I spend the majority of my time now studying myself. And the deeper I've gone in that study of self, the more connected I have felt to everybody else. And the more I feel like I understand other people because I see myself in them. As you were talking about exploring kind of human connection and all the things and the, the things you like to talk about and the nothing like to talk about, I just had this interesting realization moment, Danny, and I want to know your thoughts on this. I saw this person talking and it's on a podcast. And of course, because I'm remembering it, I don't, I wasn't actually paying attention to who this person was. I couldn't tell you this person's name. So I apologize to this person for not giving them credit where credit is probably due. This guy said, if you grew up in spaces where you had to mask your identity, when you no longer have to do that, you don't know exactly what your identity is. Mm. And so when someone says like, just be yourself, man, Adrian, just be yourself. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. And so as I was talking to you and I'm thinking back to my answer to your question where I said, I don't know what to talk about. I have nothing to talk about. I think that I am on a journey to discover who I am without the conversation of evangelicalism at all. Boom. Without that anywhere in the framework for, against, without that as a litmus test, right? Without that as a a tethering presence, I have no idea who I actually am. And I'm just having this fucking epic realization on the final episode of Dirty Rotten Church, (laughs) loud and proud. I have no idea who I am apart from evangelicalism. Right. And I think 
the work that I will be doing, (laughs) the critical work I will be doing is going, who am I when that conversation never even shows up? What remains? Mm. Get all of that out of the room. And it's just me now. What does that even look like? That's so exciting, dude. And terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Terrifying. Absolutely. I mean, I, I might just be normie, man. I have nothing. That's, <laughs> that, was, that was my whole personality. And that's one thing, too, is that I feel like for the longest time, my evangelicalism was my personality. And then when I went through a, a, a deconstruction and, and I did so very loudly, ex-evangelicalism became my personality. Yeah. Now I'm just kind of ready for, for neither one of those things to be true. You know? I'm a little, a little jealous of you. Got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> <laughs> don't don't be too jealous because there's a blank canvas is kind of appealing but also utterly terrifying <laughs> I, I will say I, I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine who he has a podcast like recovery and addiction and like major life change stories and stuff and he was a dude who was addicted to drugs from a very early age and was in the absolute gutter and ended up changing his life completely, becoming very successful and using all of his energy, time and resources to help other people find freedom. So this dude is awesome. And I have conversations with him about life and spirituality and religion, deeply spiritual individual. And one day I was hanging out with this guy And he said something to me that really left a mark with me. He was like, Danny, what I do with the 12 steps is what you're doing with religion. Wow. He's like, the 12 steps are just a tool. And he's like, is that the only tool? Of course not. Could it be better? And are there better tools? Yeah, maybe. But this one works. You can use it in a way that works. So I use the 12 steps as a tool. In the same way with religion, that's what you're doing. Do you need it? No. And I feel like that. Mm. Do I need it? No. I, I personally would be okay without church because of my experiences. I feel like there is a part of me that would seek out community in some way, shape, or form. Always. I'm just yeah. inclined towards people. Become like a CrossFitter. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> you, know, you can do whatever, man. Yeah. Literally, I can do whatever. Bowling like, league. I, I, have, I have friends of mine that are yogis and they have their own little things yeah. Th- yeah. that are cool or whatever. And I like them. Like I, I went to one uh, friend of mine's event that she did and I'm like, this is my church. That's what I said to her. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know? Are you, fl- are you flexible? No. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no way you're flexible. Dude, Your muscles I'm, are way I'm too big. I'm so stiff, dude. Exactly. <laughs> I am also stiff and I don't have muscles. Sorry. Cause <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, do I need it? Not necessarily. However, right now for me, like where, I, where I'm at in my life and the way opportunities and relationships seem to have been set up, this seems like something valuable that I can use as a tool to genuinely help people. And it is for that reason that I do it. I do realize though, that not everybody has to do it and that it's okay if someone doesn't want to do it anymore. Mm. And so to tie that into to what you're saying, like 
being in the deconstruction space and conversation, that was a tool for connection and healing majorly self-expression majorly like this is that that, these conversations and the community that you formulated and the conversations you were able to have like all of this stuff this this was a, a tool that was utilized and you use it to help a lot of people and also there are other tools and also you don't even need to help anybody just help yourself thank you for that permission <laughs> no that man that's that's actually really really cool the way you say that i feel so privileged to experience the relationships i, I was you know you were talking about kind of the community that you would find if it weren't for church and the people who i have become friends with and and not even like i've become besties with some of these folks because of the show but like i know them well enough and i see them become true best friends with other people that they have met through the show. Mm. That to me is like that third kind of degree of connectivity where it's like everyone just came to my house because I'm throwing a party. Uh, I don't know everyone, but I can like Mm -hmm. help you all. You all know you all have a lot of things in common. And then they, these people just go off and build real friendships. Like, and I'm sure you've experienced it. And so being able to like look back and go, okay, this show will stop. The show will end. My part of this conversation is coming to a close, but the relationships that have been forged through it, and in some cases, relationships that have ended because of the deconstruction conversation, like the ways these relationships have changed, that is something I can feel really, feel like there's a mark has been left for, for better, or better or worse. But um, for the good relationships, that's something that I'm really happy to have seen. Yeah, that's great, dude. I, I have similar feelings towards the folks in uh, my community that have also created a friendship just because of their shared experience at Heartway. You know, it's like the greatest thing to me. And even when people are no longer a part of Heartway, yes, but they're still connected, I'm like, oh, so great. Like, yeah, totally. If like Dirty Rotten Church Kids was a floor that you and this other person both got off of and you don't need to revisit it, but you are still friends when you hop off this elevator. That is perfectly great. You know, like the people who don't listen to the show anymore, but they are still friends. And, and if all that DRCQ represented was just an entryway into each other's lives and that's no longer needed, but that friendship remains, that is a huge fucking win. And I'm sure you feel the same way with Heartway. 100%, dude. 100%. Mention yoga. What are some other like embodying practices that get you out of your head and into your body? What else are you doing? You doing drugs? Got any good drugs? <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm that, not joking. That, I'm actually... that, that's actually another conversation to have. Um, Sounds great. If you are an explorer of human consciousness, I, I, I'm actually fascinated by this I don't think you can call it a resurgence, but like this, uh, what do you call it? Like uprising of awareness that has come around psychedelics in our culture. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And that being utilized as a tool to connect people to the divine, to self. So anyways, that'll be for, for the after party, after the after party. (laughs) Okay. Sounds great. (laughs) But what was your original question that you're saying? What what other like embodying, like what else are you doing? Dude, like honestly, bro, just, 
stopping and breathing mm. and like remembering to breathe has been the most important transformative thing in my life. Kind of like mindful kind of breath work type stuff. And I wouldn't even complicate it by saying breath work, mm. paying attention to my breathing that is already occurring. And literally, like, you know what's been, like, super fun for me lately? I have this thing, I guess, because of my childhood when my parents would discipline me and I would get, like, really scared about the consequences of them not approving of something that I did. And I would just, like, get into freeze mode when that happened. Later in life, anytime conflict would occur, me being naturally, like, a peacemaker... I get into freeze mode. Oh, wow. My nervous system literally gets into freeze mode, right? And as much as I have grown and changed and evolved in my understanding of self, even though up here intellectually in my head, I may know, hey, just because you're in a conflict doesn't mean your life is being threatened, dude. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Even though I know that in my head, my yeah. body is still like, dude, everything is going wrong right now. And so these are the kind of like games that I play with myself now. But I've had several opportunities over the last several years to be in conflict situations, feel that, and literally in those moments, like right in the moment, Taking a deep breath, processing what's there, and allowing it to be without like fighting it, breathing through it, and reteaching my body how to be in those situations. Damn. And dude, it's made like such a big difference. So, like when I say breathing, just breathing literally and paying attention to my breath, <laughs> bro. That's 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 as spiritual as it gets for me these days, dude. That feels so familiar. I, my default thing where I get my nervous system, like my inner self starts to freak out is when I feel like I'm in trouble. Yeah. I have to basically remind myself, you're not in trouble. Mm. Your body feels like you're in trouble. You feel like someone's mad at you. Or you feel like you're in trouble. You're not in trouble. And Man, so as you were saying that, I was like remembering those feelings. Mm. Your body just, it just happened. You have no control. Yes, dude. Yes. Do you get it in your chest? You get it in your stomach. I get mine right in my stomach. It's like, that's where all my anxiety shows up. I happen to carry a lot of tension in my shoulders. Okay. And I'll feel that constriction oftentimes in certain scenarios. Or maybe I'm just doing too much with the shrugs these days. I think you're shrugging. Too much. Def, definitely too much. I started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu when we talked about this. And you've done jiu-jitsu. You called it quit. So you said you were getting injured too much. It was like a wonderful time and also like a very difficult time for me, bro. Like, <laughs> well, also, I think you went to like a bad... I don't think you went to the right school. That's what some people say because we were like white belts doing six-minute uh, rounds like on my first day. That's a, how many rounds? <laughs> one, like multiple six minute rounds? Six rounds. And oh, I'm like, no. the third one, I'm like, I'm giving up. I can't. Yeah. And the dude's like, come on, get in there. <laughs> this dude was training soldiers, bro. He was an Israeli <laughs> ex military soldier, bro. He thought wow. we were like soldiers. I'm like, Preparing dude, for this war. is like, a hobby, bro. Like, yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to learn I'm trying a to get couple some cardio. basic things. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> so 
it was it was cool because I was drawing a lot of parallels with life, mm. the martial arts, and the philosophy of that of, of jujitsu. Yeah. So that was cool, but I could not do the injuries, bro. I'm like, I, I don't want to just feel like this all the time. What kind of injuries are you getting? My neck, my back. <laughs> your pussy and your crack? <laughs> <laughs> Man, jujitsu. Everything, bro. Dude, at one time, like my bicep got torn kind of, I felt like. Oh, no. Everything, bro. My my lips would be like all cut. I would my tongue because I would bite myself and. Oh, jeez. Were you rolling with like as hard as you could? You were like going really hard. Yeah, bro. There were times where I was fighting for my life, dude. <laughs> Why? Why because, are you fighting for your because, life? Because, bro, you because. weren't in danger. Yes, I was, bro. <laughs> yes, I was, bro. Trust me. <laughs> Maybe that's the difference between you and me. I I, <laughs> I participate in the martial art of dad jitsu. Is what I call it. Oh, I love it, bro. I'm at the 6 a.m. class with like a bunch of other dads whose only free moment to train is before their kids are awake. That's perfect, though. And so it's just me and a bunch of dads. We all are like fully aware. We're like, I got to go to fucking work after this, man. Like, just be easy, right? And also, I am very much like the tap early and tap often kind of mentality. I'm like, if you got me, you got me. Like, I'm not going to try and get creative and dislocate my shit because I refuse to, you know what I'm saying? I think I'm still kind of in the honeymoon phase that jujitsu has worn off when it's new. It's like really shiny and, and fun right. and like everything's great. Now I'm at, I'm at the point where I'm like, I gotta go do this thing. <laughs> I gotta go get freaking choked out by a person in murder pajamas. Like I have to go do this, but now I'm, I'm like, going, okay, like what am I actually made of? And because I'm not good enough yet, to be winning in roles. So I am still in survival mode. <laughs> and so I have yet to experience the elation of a successful role where I'm like <laughs> just crushing it. So I don't have that as a motivation to go. Wow. So I don't even have that much. So it's, it's, I'm truly in the, in the thick of it right now. And I'm just hoping that like I can just continue to progress. But I will say people are, there are people who are like, hey man, yeah, like, you lasted longer at that time. <laughs> right? You were defending pretty good. You're doing the right stuff. And I'm like getting like their like knees on my face. I'm like, thanks, man. Thanks. It's a part of it, bro. But it seems like you're enjoying it, at least from the outside looking in. I am enjoying it. I have my brother, I, I convinced my brother to to start training and he is in Philadelphia now. He injured himself in a role on like his second class. You see, dude? His second you class. See? So it's not just me. No, it's not just you. And he and he's not going back. He's like, that was, wow, that was bro. he's like taking up boxing. He's like, I'll do something different. Dude, my, my second day doing jujitsu, my drive back home, I called my best friend who was the one who convinced me to do this. And I'm like, dude, my hands are on my steering wheel, like shaking. It's because your nervous system was fried. <laughs> I'm serious. I bet your nervous yeah. system was fried. Dude, I don't know what was going on, bro. But yeah, I, you probably were like, probably riding like some serious fight or flight. And you were adrenaline <laughs> dumping. I think that's what's happening. I think you were adrenaline dumping, that's man. That's probably what happened, dude. Yeah. I feel like one of the benefits I've experienced is there is this feeling of like, I do not want to do this. I do not want to do this. I do not want to do this. And then you do the thing and then you come out on the other side of it and you just like have seen yourself. And to a point where for me, I'm like my track record of surviving it 
gives me motivation to continue being like, you have survived this many times. Dude. You've survived this many times and you will continue to survive this next one. And I feel like that's something that I carry with me is like, look at how many times you have survived this thing. You've come through it and you're fine. And you are terrified that you're not going to come through it this time, but look at your track record. And so I am still kind of drawing some cool parallels from jujitsu. I may decide it's not for me, but when I get injured, I, you know, knock on wood, I have yet to get seriously hurt. I've gotten like bloodied up, you know, I've gotten a little bloodied up, but that's, that's basically it. It happens, dude. What you just described, like, I feel like that about church a little bit. Really? Say more about that. Yeah. Just in the sense of like, I've survived a lot and gone through a lot and why throw in the towel now? That's it. And also, if I wanted to totally throw in the towel, may it be so. Right. You know? Right. You have nothing to prove. Right. That's got to be a nice feeling. Yeah. There was um, a time like right after COVID where everything was shaken up where I'm, I was like, dude, I don't even know if we'll be able to survive. I remember this. Yeah, I was just like, where'd everybody go, you know? Yes. <laughs> so, I remember I was having a conversation with, with a friend of mine, and I was pretty down about it. And I guess I was like grieving the possibility of, of Heartway being no more before it was. Mm. And she was like, it's a relief to you, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah. Really? Yeah. I get that. I had to, for myself... I didn't have to. I, I got to a place where I wanted to choose to do it again, but now at this place on my terms kind of thing. Yeah. You, you came about it honestly. Yeah. yeah. So now my relationship to the whole experiment that Heartway is, is I'm here until I'm not anymore, mm. but I'm here. And for a long time, I, I, I don't know if I could say I, I, was, I was fully there because a part of me was kind of fantasizing about what if, what if I was just done with this completely? And so we can take so many different paths with this, you know, yep. cause like you're on the path where you're just like, it is finished. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, <laughs> which I, I made, I made up those words. I said that that's a quote from myself. It is finished. <laughs> yeah. That, that is so interesting. What's cool is when you are brought up in evangelical spaces, Every decision is kind of templated out for you, like what you believe, how you react in certain things, what you're expected. And then as soon as you like exit that space, you can talk to a hundred different people who all had the exact same kind of dogmatic upbringing and where they land in their own personal journeys is now an entire spectrum of experience, right? Yes. You know, people who are back in church, they are like, progressive Christians or like, you know, like queer affirming Christians. Mm -hmm. And you'll have people who are like completely secular humanists, people who are like agnostic. There are mm -hmm. people who are completely like me, like cosmic shrug, don't even talk about it, you know? And that, I think when people look back at this deconstruction movement, which it really was a movement, there was a cause and an effect. And the deconstruction movement was a response to a force, an outside force. I think we can all agree. Mm -hmm. Obviously, people have been deconverting and leaving church forever, but like this sort of like moment, this defining moment that we all experienced in like 2016 until now, and it's still kind of ongoing, 
people will look at that. And I think the best thing that they will say it came out of it is there is now just this spectrum of belief. Yeah. Whereas no one thought that was allowed before. Mm-hmm. Yes, bro. And um, I love it. I love it. I love that that is so because there are things that are more normalized now, conversations that are more normal to have now Yes, that years ago were way more controversial. And now it's just like controversial, really? <laughs> are you, you kidding know? me? Yeah. It's, are we still talking about this? That's so great. Like that's, come so, a long way. that's so awesome. You know? I know. I feel like when DRCK started, I knew there were, there were podcasts that were making fun of evangelical spaces. And there was like content doing that. And then there was like content that was like really like unpacking like the heavy weight. There was some of that sort of like, holy shit, like religious trauma. But like there really wasn't this blend of like, you can laugh at the thing and you can shit at the thing and you can rage against the thing and you can also grieve over it more. And like now it's been cool to see like that is a common conversation. Everybody understands that was fucking wild and you can laugh at it. And in the same breath, you can turn around and completely condemn it for the harm that it caused. And in the same breath, you know, you can like mourn over the years that you maybe might've lost and the things that you've had to sacrifice and forfeit. Like that is now just expected to a point. Now, if there's a person who leaves like a, like a hate comment on something you post and they're like, that's an unbiblical belief. You almost are like, what year is it, man? Come on. <laughs> Dude, I had a grow had up. A, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get I get funny things. I had somebody message me uh on Instagram and it was a video of people burning in hell. And then the verse on that video was beware of false prophets. Nice. And he was talking to you. He's like, You're next. <laughs> yeah, you did. yeah, it's great. I also, as I know you do, like I also I wanna honor the the people that are still choosing to be in the deconstruction space to heal and help people heal. You know, we have friends, you know, people Mm -hmm. that are, it's kind of like with me and and this whole church thing. So we know people who are, who are in a very similar space as you and I have been discussing today and they are choosing to have those conversations still and be in that space to help other people. And that's so commendable and great. And wow, somebody has to do it. That's the thing. Listen, I'm so glad you said that. Cause I think I can be, uh, be like the person who's like, it's like my last day at work. And so I can kind of be like, peace, but you forget like there's still people who got to fucking clock in right. tomorrow. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, like, great. must be nice. Right. Enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that point. And I'm glad we touched on that because the conversation has been normalized and there is still like a shit ton of work that's happening oh yeah like there are so many amazing content creators that are having really important conversations oh yeah that are like placing themselves kind of in the the front line of fire which from all of these like theo bros and all oh, these yeah. places and not only are a lot of these people and these content creators like dealing with the evangelical facet of it but then like the way evangelicalism has like encroached into politics and injustice. And like, there's so many other, you know, kind of heads to this dragon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I am glad you said that because the people who are still making the thing and 
I think there are going to be people who are, who were listening to this show and were kind of like, okay, well, I, obviously DRCK isn't going to be talking about it. So like, where else am I going to be able to, but I still, I'm not done talking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not done, you know, mourning. I'm not mm-hmm. done raging. I'm not done grieving, you know, right. and I still need yeah. to, to express this stuff. Yes. And so there's a lot, a lot of great people still doing good work. Absolutely, dude. And you would do that. You're, man, and you're so good. You're good at what you do. It all works out. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm grateful, like I said, to just be able to share this space with you. And I love it. I, dude, I love the whole story. I love the whole thing. I love all the messiness of DRCK. I love the highs and the lows and the laughter. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's been really cool to to watch it, bro. And then for you, just on a on a personal level, I'm excited to see just how beautiful your normal life can be and will be. Thank you, man. I um yeah. There has been so much meaningful I tell people all the time that Dirty Rotten Church Kids has been the most rewarding creative endeavor I've ever undergone. Mm. For all the reasons you said, you know, a form of creative expression, a form of kind of self-healing, of a way to connect with other people, connect other people to each other, a way to kind of provide some solidarity, help people feel seen, maybe a way to bring some levity to some like really fucking heavy shit that people have experienced, including myself. Mm -hmm. And I don't take any of it lightly. I honestly, maybe I'll believe it a little more, but I don't think I would change any of it. I don't think I'll change a thing. I couldn't if I wanted to, but I, I don't think I would. I think it's all gone according to according to plan. You know, everything has just moved as it as it should. And it feels right. And I know there has been some real good done here. Oh yeah. In my like darkest moments of like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't think I've ever not felt like there has been some good that's come of this thing. Mm. And yeah, I'm really proud of the show. I'm proud of what it's become. I'm proud of the work that it's been able to accomplish. I'm proud of, I guess, what it leaves behind. Yeah, we did good, Danny Prada. Yeah, we did, man. We did pretty good, man. Yeah, we did. And you're still doing it. That's it, dude. I'm in it. I think we have time for one last segment. I feel like, you know, you can't end the show without ending with a segment. This segment is called Sip, Smoke, Read. Sip, smoke, sip, All right, Danny. Uh, so, sip, smoke, read. If you remember, it's what are we sipping? What are you smoking? What are you reading? What are you watching? Listening to? You know, you talked about kind of some stuff that you're doing to be embodied, but like, what else are you like into? Like, what are you into? Recently, I don't know why, but I became a member at Cooper's Hawk Winery. Nice. Are you becoming a wine man? Sort of. So I've been collecting my two bottles a month that I get from this membership. Yes. And I get to go to these like monthly tastings. And so that's been kind of cool. Have you historically been a wine person or is this a new development for you? Uh, sort of new. 
sort of new. So I've been normally more of like a beer whiskey guy. Classic. So this has been fun. Are you like a red wine or a white yeah, wine? Yeah, red, red wine. Red wine. Okay. Red wine. All right. Uh, that's what I'm sipping. What am I smoking these days? Well, you know, you're looking at me uh, like you're going to say something. I'm waiting for you to say what you're smoking. <laughs> no, I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for you to say something. <laughs> Listen, God's green plant is, is, is very beautiful. Good for you. Sometimes. Good for you, man. You know, and what are we reading? There is this poet, author, and speaker, a Lebanese woman by the name of Najwa Zebian. She wrote a book called Welcome Home, A Guide to Building a Home for Your Soul that I have been eating up, eating up. So good. What's it called again? It's called Welcome Home, A Guide to Building a Home for Your Soul. Sounds like I need it. It's wonderful. It's so refreshing. Anything else you're reading? No. Any uh, shows, any music, any uh, movies, any... Uh... Dude, right now I'm on, a, I'm on a drought of shows. I've, I've been trying to find a binge-worthy... What was your like, most recent binge-worthy show? You can say Love is Blind. Ain't no shame in the game. I watched the, the, the first episode of the new one yesterday, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too excited about it. I think, oh, okay. I think the last show that I watched was, oh, Ahsoka on Disney+. Plus. Oh, is it good? Dude, I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a Star Wars geek, so... Mm, right on. I love it, dude. It, I, I was eating it up. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Nah, dude. I'm, I'm pretty chill, bro. You know, basketball, see NBA is coming back up now. Right on. So, I'm, exci- I'm excited about that. I'm a huge uh, basketball fan. I saw the Blue Beetle. How was it? <sighs> it was all right. Great. <laughs> yeah, it was all right. <laughs> An but immediate there- sigh. Yeah, but there is a movie I want to watch called The Creator. Okay. Have you heard of that? No. It's like about this AI super weapon that happens to be a small child, I believe. That's what it's about. That's called The Creator. Check out the trailer. It's pretty cool. What's it on? It's in the movie theaters, I think. Oh, okay. If people still go, yeah. I was going to say, what's that? All right, cool, cool. And something that... People may judge me for, but the new season of the Kardashians, I have been keeping up. All right. Wow. No judgment here, man. Good. Whatever you got to do. Listen, life is too short. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Life is too short to hate on people's trash television choices. Yes. Right? I agree. This world's going to implode any day now. (laughs) That's about right. Watch what you got to watch. Watch what you're going to watch. All right. So for me, two things. One, I just had a... I think the brand is called Steigel, which is a grapefruit lager. Nice. I picked it up from Whole Foods today. It's interesting because it's not like a grapefruit shandy, you know, which is like very kind of crisp. Have you had like a shandy or like a grapefruit shandy? I haven't. It's essentially just like beer with grapefruit juice. And it's like like a shandy. It's like kind of clean, kind of crisp, really good for like a beach day. You know, it's like perfect, like a hot weather, you know. But this is a little different than that because it's like hazy. And so it's got, it's like the difference between like a hazy IPA and a standard IPA or like a unfiltered apple juice and like a regular apple juice. Like there's just a little bit of extra magic in the unfiltereredness of the thing. So yeah, Steigl grapefruit lager. Nice, dude. Yeah, really good. You actually make me want to try it and I Uh feel like 
you could get paid to <laughs> could you imagine give these kind of reviews and descriptions of products well thank you uh so this is the new podcast plot twist this yeah. is a new podcast i'm just endorsed by beer companies just <laughs> reading descriptions but yeah check it out let me know what you think if you like it yeah dude for sure there is a coffee shop here um in my city called say so and uh, they have a number of different roasters that they kind of curate. But I went to go grab a bag of coffee from a brand called Path Coffee Roasters. And um, they have a washed process Burundi, which was really, really good. I rarely get my hands on a Burundi. So when I, whenever I see it, I go for it. You know, typically I'm like a East African coffee. So like a Kenya, Ethiopia is kind of my jam. Or I'll go like... South or Central America coffee, or I'll get like a Guatemala, I'll go for it. Um, or like a Colombia, I'll definitely go for it. But when I see a Burundi, I jump on it. So that was really great. Nice, dude. There is a drink that I have not tried yet. So I cannot, I can neither confirm nor deny how good it is. But I'm going to tell you because this is the only time, there are no other episodes. So I can't tell you whether it was good or not. So I'm going to tell you what I'm ordering. And then you can just assume in your minds whether or not I will have enjoyed it or not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was hanging out with a friend. We were talking about evening drinks. And I said, you know, sometimes I like want to have an, a, like a chill night, but I don't want to like get buzzed because then I'm like dehydrated or like my workouts the next morning are, are kind of wonky or I don't sleep all that great if there's a bunch of sugar and wine or whatever. So she said, you should check out a brand called Trail Magic and they have THC infused drinks. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I ordered, it's like an Arnold Palmer with like 10 milligrams of THC in it. Wow. Did you drink a whole one of those? Oh, that's what I'm saying. I ordered it. I haven't actually had it Oh, you haven't tried it. That's right. That's right. It'll be here, I think, tomorrow or the next day. But because I'm not going to be back on this show to tell people how it was. (laughs) Cliffhanger. I'm just going to plant the seed and y'all can assume whether or not it's a cliffhanger. You won't know how well it went. That's cool. I've I've been seeing these, these drinks around. Yeah. So... Trail Magic is the brand that I ordered from. Who knows? It could be like a nice alternative to like an evening drink, right? Maybe so. And then um, I'm not smoking anything these days, but there is a book that I just started. It's an audiobook. I'm an audiobook man. I don't read real books. That's, that's been happening to me too. You're an audiobook guy? I have become one. Yeah. I just feel like I don't have much leisure time, especially having kids. I would have to wake up like really... I don't know. I, I just like, whenever I have free time, I rarely utilize it sitting and reading a book. I'll put it that way. Whereas an audiobook, I can wash dishes. I can, right. you know, you can do a lot of things while you're listening to your audiobook. So this is an author named A.P. Beswick. And a few years ago, I think he's like a British author. He was noticing he had like this trouble with all of the ways that Hollywood was retelling, uh, I guess, like, english folklore characters like specifically like robin hood and you'll have like the like a guy pierce i think is like a not guy pierce I, I don't fucking know there's like a bunch of robin hood remakes i'll put it that way right and he's like i didn't really like it they didn't really nail it and so he like took it upon himself to create like this book series of like this like gritty world that i guess kind of retells the robin hood story in a way that is kind of fresh but in some ways i guess truer to the original legend Nice. And then there's like a bunch of other characters in folklore that he made books about as well. So I'm on the first book. It seems pretty uh, promising. Uh, this first book is called The Forest of Vanity and Valor. 
by AP Beswick. So that's that's what, that's what I'm checking out. So once again, I won't let and no one will know whether I liked it or not. It's a cliffhanger. Could be great. Could suck. You won't know. It's vanishing with me. <laughs> We're ready for the next podcast. Ready for the next one. <laughs> ready for the next one. Danny, for those who want to hear you speak, connect with you, support your work, interact with you, where can people go? Tell us all the things. Heartweightchurch.com, uh, Instagram at D underscore Prada. And that's really it. That's the main way. That's the way. That's the way. Everyone, the Patreon, at the time of releasing this episode, the Dirty Wine Church Kids Patreon will have officially closed. Sorry to say, you can no longer give me money for the Patreon. <laughs> however, however, um, after a lot of thought, I have decided to keep the Discord open in perpetuity. And it is private. It is a private Discord server. And it is going to be like moderated by... Some of my friends, shout out to SJ and Kelly and others who they've kind of said like, hey, even though the show is going away, like the community is so worthwhile that we would love to just keep this thing open instead of just like deleting it and then it vanishing, right? I was thinking about this, like every so often I've like wondered whatever happened to my old MySpace page and it cannot be found. It just, it it doesn't exist. If you find it, let me know. know. It's sad because I mean, how many photos did we have of like, they're just things you're like, man, I kind of would like to see. And we were so dumb. We didn't have like a bunch of backups that we carried around with us. How are we supposed to know that that would just vanish? And so I was like, you know what? I will not let the DRCK, the bad Apple discord go the same route as MySpace. So if you are interested, even though there is no Patreon, if you are interested in connecting to the private Bad Apple Discord server, I don't know how long it's going to go. It may go for like a few months and then everyone's like, hey, you know, it's been a good run, but it's not up to me anymore. (laughs) It's really up to the moderators, but feel free to send an email to dirtyrottenck at gmail.com and we'll make sure we get you those links. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the social media. I might keep the content up. I might just pull like a like a celebrity and just like delete all the content off there and just like keep it blank. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I haven't thought of how I'm going to be melodramatic about it. Dude, you got some really good like videos. Thank you, man. That need to stay alive. I feel like. Thank you. I might, you know, who knows? I mean, but who knows? It's not up to you, Prada. (laughs) (laughs) I do what I want. I do whatever I want. (laughs) Um, Danny, thank you for this. Dude, I'm, I'm, So happy to share this moment with you, man. Everyone, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. For those of you who are sticking around, for those of you who have stuck around and supported the show since the very beginning, you will not know how important the show is to me, and you will not know how important your support has meant to me. For every person that has sent an email or has sent in a voice memo, who has written a letter, who has sent a DM, every single person that has reached out, for the people who reached out and said, hey, you really missed the mark and you, you didn't get this thing right. For the people who kind of kept us honest and, and the people who loved the show enough to critique it in a helpful way, like all of these things, I am so grateful for. And I hope you know that. While this is the end of this particular iteration of this conversation, there are so many amazing people out there doing incredibly good work. I'm going to do my best to kind of drop some kind of some other handles and other podcasts that are doing really good work. By all means, reach out to me. I'm, I am an actual person outside of the deconstruction space and uh, I would absolutely welcome a new friend. So 
thank you, everyone. This is not necessarily goodbye from me. It's a thank you and see you later. And I have a lot of love uh, for all of you listening. So thank you, Bad Apples. Uh, If you guys would humor me, I'd like to do a tandem sign-off. So the tandem sign-off is going to be, it's all going to be okay. That's what we're gonna try this we're time. Not all right? it, are we? I'll, I'll, I'll lead it. I'll lead it up, and then we all just we all just knock it out of the it? park. It's all gonna be all right, okay. Here we Ready, go. everybody? I want to thank you for listening to episode one of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast, and remember, it's, it's all gonna, gonna be okay. okay.